Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Top 5 Show. This week, we will be looking at the greatest sporting comebacks of all time. Can't wait for this one. And I'm also hoping that while I'm on the show today, uh, my team, my beloved Manchester United, will be able to stage a sporting comeback of their own uh, today against Manchester City in the Manchester Derby. It's 2-1 to City at the moment. Just gone half-time, I believe. Let's hope we can pull something out of the bag. And I also hope that you enjoy the show today. As I say, I'll be keeping you updated with the score throughout. I've got my phone here just ready to check and see if indeed Manchester United can stage a sporting comeback. But it probably won't be as grandiose and as magnificent as the top five sporting comebacks we are going to be talking about today. So without further ado, let's get into my top five list. I've also got some guest mentions. Of course, this wouldn't be the top five show without your guest mentions. But uh, first of all, I'm going to kick things off with my number five. And no, it is not a football comeback, even though I just said kick things off, which would have been a great segue into a footballing one. But that will come later on. Don't you worry for those uh, football fans out there, of which I'm sure there are many. Um, you could expect that in a top five comebacks list, you will hear about a bit of footballing action. I sound a lot like Alan Partridge there. So let's move away from that very quickly and start with number five, which I've gone for a snooker comeback. This is not Dennis Taylor in 1985 because this list is my list and I've gone for my favourites. And as a big Ronnie fan, I've gone for Ronnie O'Sullivan's 2013 snooker world title. And you may be thinking, why? What was so special about this particular world title? Well, let me tell you. In 2013, Ronnie O'Sullivan, widely regarded to be one of, if not the greatest, snooker players, snookerists, uh, cueists of all time. He looked to have retired in 2013. Battling demons of his own, O'Sullivan decided to skip the 2013 season and make a decision as to whether to fully retire or come back next year at the end of that season. So what did Ronnie do? Ronnie did what Ronnie does. He took to working on a farm, of course, uh, and reportedly didn't practice the game for most, if any, of that year. Just slaving away on the farm, a bit like Jeremy Clarkson, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Uh, however, late in the season, O'Sullivan, he realised that the bank balance wasn't looking so good and that realistically he needed to compete in a tournament to have enough cash to retire in comfort at the end of the season if he so wanted to. So what did Ronnie do? He begrudgingly entered the only tournament left on the calendar that year just to make some money. And that just so happened to be the 2013 World Championship. But this wasn't easy. He hadn't played all year and had slipped down massively in the rankings and wasn't set to qualify for the tournament. However, after a discussion with the head of snooker, uh, Barry Hearn, uh, who is Eddie Hearn's father, by the way, for those of you boxing fans, we might hear a bit about boxing later on. Just you wait. Um, but uh, Barry Hearn was able to secure O'Sullivan a wild card on uh, 
the proviso that he was the defending champion at the time. So Ronnie didn't really have much practice under his belt, so he turned up a couple of days earlier before the tournament started uh, to have a, a couple of practices with his old mate Peter Ebden, who, uh, of course, famously beat Ronnie in 2008 by playing ridiculously slowly. That was a very frustrating match to watch. Um, but uh, after a couple of days of practice, uh, O'Sullivan absolutely blitzed the field and romped the title. The only person to win a snooker world title without losing a single session. And uh, he won a cheeky half a million pounds for his trouble. And as Ronnie said in his post-victory interview, I only really needed the cash, so does anybody want this trophy? What a brilliant moment that was for Ronnie O'Sullivan fans like myself. So that's my number five, Ronnie O'Sullivan's 2013 World Championship title in the snooker. Let's move straight on to number four. This one is a golfing comeback. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of golf myself, but when this uh, was going on, I tuned in just for the pure emotion of the moment. This was Tiger Woods' 2019 Masters Triumph. He was once the darling of golf, the face of golf. Tiger Woods was flooded with a barrage of scandal and misdemeanor, which landed him on the front pages of the newspapers for all the wrong reasons. He issued an infamous apology in 2010 for engaging in several extramarital affairs, and 23 months before the 2019 Masters, he was caught drink driving for a second time, slumped and slurring, and was found to be under the influence of what he described as self-medication wonder what that was. Um, his performances suffered greatly uh, on the golf course and since 2008 he hadn't won a single Grand Slam. That's 11 years without a major title. Throughout the years since that uh, last victory in 2008 he had suffered with extreme back injuries and underwent four, yes four, different back surgeries between 2014 and 2017. That's a rate of more than one surgery per year. Can't imagine how that must have felt. But out of nowhere in the 2019 Masters Tiger Woods hit back won the Masters and claimed his 15th major title with an iconic image of him walking towards the final green alongside dozens of fans as they roar him home. It is one of the great sporting images. Absolutely fantastic. Let's have a look at some guest mentions now after that fourth place, which was Tiger Woods' Masters victory. Well, first of all, we've got MC Reevesy, who was not at all happy with his side's sporting performance the other day. Yesterday it was uh, his beloved Sheffield Wednesday being absolutely obliterated by my hometown side, Lincoln City. Get in there, you imps. Ali, 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 oh. Lincoln City 3, Sheffield Wednesday 1. I repeat that for everybody listening. Lincoln City 3, Sheffield Wednesday 1. And the second best side in Sheffield being roundly beaten by the best side in Lincoln. And just like Sheffield, Lincoln that day was certainly red. So reeves has gone uh, for in fifth place. Christian Eriksen's comeback to football. Great for a lot of reasons and very heartwarming. Nobody could begrudge that. And there was a fantastic image. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook um, of Brandon Williams, the Manchester United left back who is uh, on loan. Uh, he can play left and right back actually, Brandon Williams. I'm not sure which side he plays on for Norwich because I don't really care about Norwich but he's played left and right for us. Um, Brandon Williams um, 
who uh, was fouled by Ericsson and he falls over and he's about to have a go at him and just as he does he realises that this is Christian Ericsson the man who nearly died on the pitch so just as he's about to shout at him he goes and gives him a great big hug and I think a lot of the comments on Facebook were saying you know that's why we love the beautiful game really really lovely moment to see um, so I absolutely agree with you there Easy. very heartwarming number four he's gone for now this is controversial and I'll see uh, we'll get to that in a minute because uh, his fourth and third places are quite um, um, quite controversial, actually. Uh, in fourth, he's gone for Istanbul, of course, the iconic night where Liverpool, um, unfortunately for me as a United fan, um, came back from 3-0 down at half-time to defeat the best team in the world at the time, AC Milan, um, to draw 3 all and then beat them on penalties, uh, which was, uh, of course, the only time that I can think of where Steven Gerrard didn't bottle a, uh, a major finals. Uh, he had a couple of good performances in the FA Cup, but uh, he's, a, he's a serial bottler, is Steven Gerrard, but that's got to be one of the few times where he actually dragged a decent performance out of himself when it mattered which is something that he wasn't really able to do very often as history shows not a great player to have in your squad uh, when the going gets tough but there we go he actually defied the odds that time and brought uh, really helped to bring um, Liverpool back a bit of a captain's performance there uh, he uh, for just one game turned into Roy Keane and then slumped back into the field of mediocrity did Steven Gerrard um, and in third place, Reevesy, who sounds like a Liverpool fan, and he actually says that here, he's sounding a bit like a Liverpool fan. Uh, he's gone for Liverpool 4, Barcelona 0, ahead of Istanbul. Uh, he says he rates this higher than Istanbul, and he wants to hear my thoughts on this uh, on the radio show. Well, perfect, Reeves, because I'm actually on a radio show right now, so I can actually tick that box for you and give you my thoughts while on the air. And my thoughts are that AC Milan were a much better side in 2005 than Barcelona were when Liverpool came back. Um, and Liverpool, actually, if you watch the first leg, they lost it 3-0, but they were, uh, for large portions of the game, the better side unlucky to lose the first leg so badly um, and another point is that not only were they playing a, uh, a weaker side Barcelona would have been beaten by that 2005 AC Milan side no doubt um, but they also had a whole 90 minutes to come back um, to draw 3-0 whereas in the Istanbul game, they had 45 minutes to come back and draw 3 all. Of course, against Barcelona, they scored four goals in 90 minutes, whereas in Istanbul, they scored three goals against a better side in 45 minutes, which I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I think it's far more impressive to do that in the Champions League final in 45 minutes than it is in a, was it the quarterfinals? In 90 minutes. Uh, so he's gone for uh, Liverpool, Barcelona ahead of Liverpool, AC Milan, which I disagree with, but I understand the reasoning. It's more goals, and when you're Reeves holder, more is better. So, number two, he's gone for Tyson Fury's comeback to boxing. Classic, even if you're an AJ fan like myself. <laughs> How's that going for your Reezy? Not particularly well. Another serial bottler is Anthony Joshua. And number one, he's going to cheat a little bit. Now, this is an interesting one. He's gone for Leicester winning the league title, which you wouldn't normally go, oh, yes, sporting comeback, Leicester winning the title. Um, but he does have a good reason in that they narrowly escaped relegation the year before, pulled off a great escape. There were several points behind and they did stay up. And he's ranked that as his number one sporting comeback. And thinking about it, um, if I saw that the way Reevesy has seen that, I might have put Leicester on my list. Spoiler alert, I haven't. I haven't viewed it as a comeback because... Um, um, I've stuck with the season of Leicester being um, across that one season, whereas uh, I think Reeves has viewed it across the two seasons, which is fair enough, and I do not begrudge him that one. So what's my third place? Well, Reeves were very, very, very football-based, very football-based, um, and I've gone for a football one here. Um, am I going to tell you what it is? I'm not. I'm just going to let this little piece of magic tell you what my number 
three pick is. Can Manchester United score? They always score. The big goal is coming up. Peter Schmeichel is forward. Can he score another in Europe? He's got one in Europe already. Beckham. In towards Schmeichel. It's come for Dwight York. Cleared. Gates with a shot. Sheridan! Michael's not coming up for this one. Thinks he's done enough. Is this their moment? Beckham. Into Sheringham. And so sorry, Wally! A moment. Still get goosebumps listening to that commentary. Fantastic from Clive Tilsley. Probably the greatest piece of commentary in the history of anything ever, I would say. Of course, I'm biased. Um, number three, the 1999 Manchester United Champions League final and treble win. Straight away, I'm hearing people say, you've gone for United over Istanbul. You're biased, United fans. Well, let me tell you why I've done that. What were Liverpool playing for? The Champions League. Brilliant. But what were Manchester United playing for? Sporting immortality. This game was about winning the treble, something that no British side, uh, English side, sorry, because Celtic have done it. I must correct myself there. No English side has ever done and since then have. It, I don't think it's going to be done anytime soon. Um, Manchester United winning the 1999 Champions League final. Um, and that secured them the treble. They were one win away from sporting immortality. They'd already won the Premier League and the FA Cup, but no English team in history had ever gone on to win the Champions League final in that same season. That is why I've gone for this over Istanbul. In terms of a single moment, the Istanbul 45 minutes, yes, triumphs over this. But, a, but what it meant for football across the whole season and what it meant for sport in general and the achievement of the whole situation and the fact that it was two goals in two minutes when they got battered, this takes the cake. Manchester United would face Bayern Munich in the final and Bayern Munich started brilliantly. They were ahead within six minutes, much like Man City today. Um, Mario Basler uh, scored the free kick, found the bottom corner and Bayern led 1-0 and they dominated this game. Let's get this straight. Bayern Munich were so much better, hitting the woodwork on four separate occasions and United barely created a chance. In the substitute, uh, in the second half, sorry, Legendary manager Alex Ferguson made two substitutes. He brought on Teddy Sheringham and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. One last roll of the dice. In the 90th minute, United earned a relatively cheap corner as Gary Neville's cross was deflected behind. Commentator Clive Tilsley, you've just heard it there. He exclaimed the famous words, Can Manchester United score? They always score. And you heard what happened next. The two substitutes, Sheringham and Solskjaer, scored two goals in two minutes to win Manchester United the treble. Something that no English club had done and has done since um, and possibly will 
never. Let's get on to some more of your guest mentions then. Lucas has gone for Tiger Woods Master 2019. Yes, I agree, Lucas. Great pick. Henry's gone for Christanbul. Of course, when Liverpool and Steven Gerrard in particular bottled the title, he went on to bottle it again against Chelsea. But no, seriously, he's gone for Istanbul. And also a great honourable mention here for James Hunt and Nicky Lauda in that 1976, I believe it was, F1 title challenge. Uh, Hunt came from miles back in the points to win the title, a great comeback of his own. However, we've got to mention... Nicky Lauda, who survived a fiery crash at the Nürburgring to return to the car, I believe, within a couple of months, six, seven weeks. Unbelievable. Becker, our very own Becker, the station manager here at LSR, has gone for Max Verstappen. Oh, we love that, Becker. Yes, we do. Max Verstappen, 2021 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, we won't mention the fact that she's also put Aguero. We won't talk about that. Will Hamilton says Istanbul. Of course he does. Will Crute, the Liverpool fan, of course, says the two Wills coming out for Liverpool. Istanbul, not just because of how good AC Milan were, but how frankly crap that Liverpool side was. Only had Alonso, Gerard and Carrier, uh, Carragher, who were of real quality. And of course, two of those weren't really of any real quality at all. So just Alonso standing alone there in terms of quality Liverpool players at the time. Brandon says Tyson Fury losing all the weight and beating Wilder to become champion again. Great shout. I'm sure we'll hear more from that in the future. Alex Somerville goes for Sergio Perez at the 2020 Sakir Grand Prix. Last to first after a crash on the first lap. Uh, was without a contract at the time and that landed him his move to Red Bull. Great shouts there, guys. Great shouts indeed. So... Let's move on to my number two. And this was a very recent one. I've gone for a tennis mention, and it is Rafael Nadal at the 2022 Australian Open. Having not played for six months due to back, foot and wrist injuries, Rafael Nadal underwent foot surgery, which many in his team believed was career-ending. Because at the 2021 French Open, Nadal was defeated by longtime rival Novak Djokovic. Nadal had previously been viewed as unbeatable at that tournament, but had Hampered by a foot injury, Nadal could not compete beyond the second set and was defeated. In the months after the loss, retirement was floated several times amongst the press and his inner circle. But Rafa, ever the fighter, decided at the last minute to give it one final go at the Australian Open in 2022. His weakest Grand Slam, he'd only ever won once there. But then, a month out of the tournament, he came down badly with COVID-19 and was unable to train for uh, a week and a half. And one month before a tournament, that is going to cost you. Nadal just about recovered but came into the tournament underweight and underprepared, injured and aware that any match could be his last and his foot could give in at any point. Unbelievably though Nadal reached the final but was pushed nearly to breaking point before this by Denis Shapovalov who he overcame in a marathon five-setter. Clearly tired and still fatigued Nadal was quickly up against it in the final and found himself two sets and three breaks points down at one point against an imperious Daniel Medvedev and let me put this in perspective Daniel Medvedev is the world number one he is the form player in tennis at the moment before this Grand Slam he thrashed Novak Djokovic destroyed him wiped the floor with him in the US Open final uh, in other words he was the man to beat Nadal looked battered and shattered and out. Medvedev was truly dominant. John McEnroe the legendary US tennis player at this point said it's all but over now 
But Rafael Nadal put his injury worries, his fatigue and his retirement doubts to one side and fought all the way back to win 2-6, 6-7, 6-4, 6-4, 7-5 in the second longest final in history, which was five hours and 24 minutes. But not only is this incredible in isolation, this was his record-breaking 21st Grand Slam title to move him ahead of Federer and ahead of Djokovic as statistically the greatest tennis player of all time in a match and a tournament that defined his grit, his determination and his incredible career. I am so proud to be able to say that that is the second greatest comeback, in my opinion, in sporting history. But what's my number one? Well, let this be a little clue to you all. What is my number one going to be, do you think? Well, we'll find out in just one second. But first, some quick guest mentions from you guys. The 10-man hype house, who uh, hopefully I will get to to see again shortly and uh, watch a game at Old Trafford very soon and play, of course, for Brian Munich. A little reference, of course, to the 1999 Champions League final. But unfortunately, they've gone for Aguero. Oh dear, let's move on quickly. Jay Spin has gone for a much better pick, the Man United 1999 Champions League final. That's the correct answer. Kenny has gone for Tyson Fury versus Wilder when Fury was out cold on the canvas, his eyes pop open and up he gets. Great shout. Leah says, Rafael Nadal at 2022 Australian Open. Agree with you there. Bit of Spanishness coming through from Leah. Tyson Fury, she also says, and Christian Eriksen, who Reeves mentioned as well. Alex Hendo also mentions Christian Eriksen as well as Istanbul. Adam says, Istanbul 2005 Champions League final yes 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 whatever Arthur says Spurs versus Ajax very very interesting one probably a Spurs fan um, Dylan says Tyson Fury Benji says Usain Bolt playing football wow what a comeback that was Robin says 100% Tyson Fury's return Alex Rogerson Liverpool versus Barcelona the genius of Trent on that corner and the attentiveness of Origi amazing uh, Tom Hansen says as an individual comeback for me Michael, jo- Michael Jordan interesting pick early 90s I think it was after winning three titles in a row his gambling addiction came out his father died so he retired and played baseball for a year he then came back a year later and won another three titles on the bounce when everyone thought he would be worse some great picks as usual there guys thank you so much for getting in touch and I'll keep you all in the loop um, on uh, Snapchat and Instagram to fire in some more in future episodes but now we must discuss my number one pick If you're out there thinking, what a radio DJ this guy is, I absolutely fluked that. I had a look at the screen and realised that it just started doing the fly bit at the end, the iconic gonna fly now. Just as I said that, I was like, right, let's slide this bad boy in and make it even more epic. Because it is epic. It's real life Rocky. It's Tyson Fury's journey to world champion. After defeating the legendary Vladimir Klitschko in 2015, Tyson Fury famously lapsed into depression alcohol, drugs abuse, and weight gain. Fury ballooned from 17 and a half stone, which is his fighting weight, to around 28 stone. He attempted to take his own life before experiencing an out-of-body moment just as he was about to crash his car off the edge of a bridge, and it urged him to stop, get out of the car, clean up his act, and get back in the gym and in the ring. After two fairly unimpressive comeback fights in which he cantered to laboured wins, Fury, clearly still not at his best, agreed to face the world champion and one of the most 
heavy punches in history, Deontay Wilder. Fury boxed incredibly to lead on the scorecards into the final round where he was caught by a massive Wilder, a massive right hand, and he dropped to the canvas seemingly out cold, but in a moment that defines his comeback from the depths of depression, from the brink of suicide, Fury's eyes popped open, he rose again and took a draw, which many commentators believed should have been a win. But in 2020, Tyson Fury returned as the world champion, coming back from all that depression, all that drinking, all those drugs, all that darkness in his life. And he destroyed Wilder in the rematch, knocking his opponent down four times and five years after his last title, with all that in between, having battled demons no man should have to face. Tyson Fury was the world champion again. And to this day, he remains undefeated, having shown immense grit recently to rise from the canvas and defeat Wilder in a trilogy bout to secure his position as boxing's main man, the number one, one of the all-time greatest, Tyson Fury is my number one pick for the greatest sporting comebacks of all time.